Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are so happy to be back. Um, we've had a couple week hiatus. We've been, uh, we did do a little quick little update when we were in Argentina, but we've been traveling around the world, Argentina and Arizona, um, racing mountain bikes and just having a ball. So um, we've kept you updated with some previous episodes, restreaming, and we kind of did a little fast update when we were um, drinking coffee at a coffee shop in, uh, in Argentina. Um, but we are so excited to be back and we thank you listeners and viewers for being our loyal listeners and viewers and we appreciate you so much. We just really wanted to thank you about that. And we are excited to have Reed Davis on our show today. He is a functional medicine practitioner, um, nutritional medicine practitioner, and um, he's going to be discussing his story. He was a paralegal that actually was fighting for the environment, and then he realized what the environment was doing to people. So now he is uh, here to tell his story about that. So Reed, welcome to our show having me i might want yes. to just talk more about mountain biking in argentina <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a blast it was it was a blast it was a i'm not gonna say once in a lifetime because i might do it again maybe not in argentina but it was the world's masters championship and um it was it was the uh the event of a lifetime and next year the rumor yeah. is it might be in australia and you know why wouldn't i want to go to australia so it was a blast. that's exciting yeah. So, uh, Reed, thank you for um, agreeing to be on our podcast. We're really excited for this interview and for you to educate our listeners and viewers and us, um, you know, about about how you got into functional medicine um, nutrition. Um, tell us your story. Yeah, thanks for me. You know, the truth is I was very happy in the environmental law slash conservation work that I was doing in the 90s. I'd uh, gone back to school after another a different career, and um, with this law program, and I I loved it. And uh, yet I was seeing all this dead stuff, you know, the air, birds, water, trees, bees, saving the whole planet, so to speak. And I was getting older, and I I didn't want anything sneaking up on me. And I was really curious what the environment was doing to people, to us. And, you know, I've always been a helper guy that wanted to do some good in the world. So I switched jobs. I went to work in a clinic in Southern California. And I was hired to more or less run the place and see what good we could do. I, I really got along well with the, with the chiropractors and acupuncturists and uh, the team that was there. Uh, they had a, a, a DO. Anyway, so... Um, the owner invited me to go along with her as she was getting her diplomat in nutrition to add to her license and said, if I just came along and, and did all her homework and mine too, then I would get a certificate in nutrition. <laughs> so that's what I did. And she said, this is amazing. Reed, if you want, you can work on the patients here between your classes, your nutrition nutritional therapy classes who gets an opportunity like that so i i jumped on that and i gotta tell you guys uh, man did i fall in love with working with people like on the clinical side and i spent 10 years doing it. i worked there for 10 solid years loving every minute of it but it was a lot of work and one of the things was everybody come in the office everybody coming in had already been to six or eight or 10 different practitioners. 
Now, personally, I'd never been to a physician. I didn't really know what the medical system was like. I'd been for some some boo-boos, you know, uh, sports and motorcycle and and uh, things like that, accidents, but didn't know what chronic illness treatment was like. And um, maybe a little dental work, too. But, but, you know, so I was flabbergasted. What do you mean you've been to six or eight or ten different practitioners? You know, better yet. And the first thing I thought, being having been trained in law, was ripoff. You know, like, wow, that can't be right. You know, what I realized later, it wasn't the physician's fault, or at least it was kind of co-created between the patient looking in the wrong place. So I call that now having one's ladder up against the wrong wall. You know, there's a gap. Certainly there's a gap between medical treatment and what people really need to get well. So wellness and medical are two different things. So you, if you don't have a medical condition, you're going to get told by the physician. You have complaints, but you're told by the physician, well, nothing's wrong with you. It's, it's not a medical condition. Well, no one wants to hear that. And, and no one had anywhere to go back then. This is a quarter century ago. And so I just started, I said one day I was out riding my motorcycle and I, I was kind of ticked off and these people getting ripped off, I thought. Um, and I also thought, why are they putting their control of their health in someone else's hands? Right. I felt yeah. completely in control of my own, you know, like I'm healthy because I do healthy things and I'm not sick because I try to avoid bad things. So, um so it took me a while to figure out, but I determined, again, out riding my motorcycle, you know, I'm going back there to the office, and I'm going to help Mrs. Smith and Mr. Jones and all these people. I'm going to be the last darn practitioner they need to see. No clue how I would do it. I had a lot to learn, but something else I've, I've kind of coined for myself since then, I had nothing to unlearn. You know, I wasn't trained, I wasn't indoctrinated in some particular system. I just knew that I could sort out uh, what was really wrong with them so that they could take charge, be in control of their own health, and avoid um, the medical mix-up. And so that's it took me 10 years to recognize some patterns and sort some things out. But I'll just finish that part by saying I was so lucky so lucky, blessed, really, to, to be in the right position at the right time. Um, and I could run labs through the office. So back then, these functional labs weren't very popular. Doctors kind of looked down on them because they're, they weren't billable to insurance. They're called research use only. It was quackery to some of them. But I was running labs, saliva testing, urine testing, stool testing, and some blood work, of course, um, hair, hair testing, you know, just just alternative ways of looking at what's really wrong. And then, obviously, teaching people to fix it. I got my uh, clinical nutrition certificate, a personal training certificate, learned to do body work. So I was being very useful around the place and figuring things out. And finally, 10 years later, I started teaching what I'd learned. And that's what I do today, teach what I learned. And, of course, we're always still learning. Absolutely. So, Janet, what kind of questions do you have for Reed? So, currently, right now, how many patients do you see a day? Because that's in the, the I don't practice, medical system. Okay. 
I don't practice anymore because I have 4,000 people I've trained to go ah, do the okay. good in the world. So I figured around that time, uh, 2008, something like that, that um, I could help a lot more people by deputizing others to use what had become a very successful system. Our system that I teach to this day was search a whole cluster of uh, healing opportunities. So we look for the H-I-D-D-E-N, hidden, spells hidden, which is apropos, but it's hormone, immune, digestion, detoxification, energy production, nervous system. So that's the system of investigation that I recognize would help, you know, 85, 90% of the people coming in the office who didn't have a medical condition. They just had downward spiraling, chronic, lifestyle-based, and even degenerative conditions. But they just, you need to look there. So that's the thousands of labs I ran, the pattern I recognized, H-I-D-D-E-N. Identify these healing opportunities. Not saying diagnosis or medical, anything. Healing opportunities. Thank God. Thank God, Mrs. Yeah. Smith would say, I can't believe you've, you figured out what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Now, how do I fix it? Well, this is where the self-governed, uh, you know, being in control of one's own health becomes a lot of effort, <laughs> to tell you the truth. So the people who just want to take a pill, nothing for you. You've got to live yourself out of the problems you've lived yourself into. And so that's where the D-R-E-S-S lifestyle program comes in diet rest exercise stress reduction and supplementation and so that those five things uh, we can't say cure all because we're not allowed to use that word but man does it fix almost everything that's wrong with people today and so hidden stressors and dysfunctions upstream run the labs apply the principles of healing d-r-e-s-s and it was working. It was we were just overwhelmed with the amount of people who completely recovered from weird things, <laughs> stuff no one else had sorted out yet. I love your analogies, and I love I love the acronyms. Um, well, I'm going to do my best to remember those. Uh, one of the things I like about the the dress, the D R E S S E S. Yes, sir. Right. Yes. So diet rest and exercise. And we preach that over and over on our podcast. So those are just three of the, we, you know, it's so simple. It it should be so simple, but we make it so complicated. But in general, if you're getting, you know, good sleep and good rest and you have a good diet and you're exercising and in that order, um, sleep is more important than exercise and exercise is more important and, um, sleep is more important than food also. Um, so it goes sleep, food and exercise. And, um, in general, you will be a, you should be a healthy person. Now there are the details in there with the stressors and things like that. But a lot of times what, what happens with those stressors read is those stressors are what screws up our, um, rest and, and sleep a lot of times. And then there's just a snowball effect. Absolutely. So uh, the two S's, diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction is huge. Yes. Matter of fact, you hear it all the time in our business, Sean and Janet, you know, that, oh, the gut is the 
the beginning of all disease. No, it's not. It circles around to the gut very, very often, but it's really stress, and it's sorting out which kind of stress, and that's what I became, uh, you know, that's what I had to do for everyone coming in the office. Um, I read in the uh, Natural and uh, Nutrition Journal uh, in 2001 that stress was the cause of 80% of all doctor's visits. And that it was actually the cause of 50% of all disease. So I thought I better become a disease, a stress expert, yeah. you know, not studying the disease, but studying the stress. Right. And so well, that's when I found, excuse me, but, but diet could be a stressor, lack of exercise, lack of sleep. Those are stressors. So is the environment, which is where I started from the air, the water, your personal right. care products, your household cleaning products, your and what's in food, the herbicides, pesticides, and so on and so on. And so then um, it's also physical. Personally, if I had a major stressor, it would be chronic aches and pains from multiple injuries. Walking around with, you know, both shoulders, n- neck, mid-back, and low-back, both knees, and things that I've just I got a very well-used body. <laughs> so... So, um, so that, but, and the body doesn't know the difference between a um, psychological pain or um, a physical pain or even a chemical assault from the environment. It just responds the same way. You know, you go into stress mode, you go into uh, high cortisol, adrenaline, you go into, um, you know, the hormonal imbalances and all the things. So, and, and I can show you now on paper, the downward spiral, the, how one, the links in the chain or the, the dominoes and how they fall. And you end up feeling really lousy, even with diagnosed conditions. So let's talk about stressors then. Um, Let's focus on that a little bit because we, you know, I bet you there's some listeners and viewers out there that are saying, well, you know, I, I guess we all have stressors and we can't get away from them. So, um, you know, how, how do we deal with it? Because we, we we live in a stressful environment. It's, it's just true, whether it be mental, whether it be physical stress. Um, you know, so how, how do we deal with that day to day to minimize how it affects our health? Yes, sir. Well, um, I have three main categories of stress and you can come up with other ways of slicing and dicing it but this idea of mental emotional spiritual angst and you know lack of purpose in life and and just you know your kids and your money and your spouses and you're driving it through traffic and god forbid you listen to the news you know there's a lot of (laughs) right right (laughs) so true everybody should be at six o'clock they should turn on their podcasts and listen to you know helpful people trying to do some good in the world not the crap that's going on so that you can start there, turn the TV off uh, unless you're watching uh, a good YouTube stream or something like that. So, so, but mental emotional is just one kind of stress. And, and so we sort that out. I get up every morning grateful. I have a beautiful wife who I love and I was so fortunate to meet a little bit later in life. And we, we plan out our days and weeks and months and, and the years we have together in a joyful, uh, with a joyful um, point of view, uh, thankfulness, gratefulness is is number one in our lives. And so we we can sort of handle some of this stress that's in the world. But the other kinds of stress, it takes maybe a team of experts if you want, or become one 
um, with the environmental stressors, that was my background before, quote unquote, health and wellness. So I know about the herbicides and pesticides. Everybody could go to, um, it's the Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. It's free. You go there and learn all about what's in your food and what foods to avoid that have too much toxins. Um, the environment, again, the personal care products and cleaning products. And man, you can really reduce stress. That's just another form of stress to me. Getting rid of that stuff. I live out in the country. We grow our own food uh, with no chemicals on it, just good nutrients. We have hydroponics, so we put the nutrients in the water, but but it's it's easy for us to do. And I think anyone could, you could do it in the city too. Um, so you got your mental, emotional stressors. You got all those environmental things, including like, I don't know, kids, um, kids, they put fire retardant on their clothes, you know, and that's a chemical. And it's it, it, all these things go on and on and on. The mental, emotional stressors people are familiar with. <laughs> you got the, chemical environmental stressors and then like i said the um, aches and pains from old injuries can be really hurtful and they set the body off in the same way your cortisol goes up your dhea goes down now you're in a catabolic state it's a measurable definable catabolic means your body's breaking down and it's supposed to a certain right rate and quality while it also builds up. And this idea of balance becomes incredibly important. Now, when your cortisol, even if it's low because of the adrenals and things, it's still too high in relationship to your, the counterbalancing uh, DHEA. Um, what happens is then your immune system gets affected. That gets out of balance too. It's you know it's not shouldn't be overactive and it shouldn't be underactive. Well, then you get a dysbiosis, the the imbalance in your gut flora. You know well about that. Um, hey, good bacteria, bad bacteria. Um, well, without the right good bacteria, because of dysbiosis, because of the uh, secretory IgA and the immune system, because of stress and this catabolic state. Well, now you have a dysbiosis digestive problems you're not even breaking down absorbing your food very well or as well as you could which means you could be nutrient deficiency that's a whole rabbit hole for a yeah. whole show on that but the, the next thing is you get bigger i call them bigger batter bugs if you're dysbiotic dysbiotic you it's just your good and bad flora but then along comes parasites and back big bacteria and, and funguses and other things that can really upset the apple cart. Now your body reacts to that, and you've got leaky gut, you know, hyperpermeability. Now you got um, big particles floating into the bloodstream. They stink up the liver and your whole body, including uh, skin problems and migraines and um, tiredness and fatigue and, you know, digestive problems, as we mentioned, on and on and on. And then, then you're toxic. Now you got a detoxification problem. And there's a couple other things to look for, if that isn't enough for you. But, right? No, that's yeah. It is. We could we could talk about stress the entire podcast or stress all breaks you down. Yeah, it makes you vulnerable. It weakens yeah. you, and we're ju we're just sort of only human. You know, the environment is powerful. It's got powerful things in it, and um, if you're not in balance, if you're not prepared. You, you could get, end up in serious trouble 
because we're all different, right? We can all handle certain types of stress or at different levels, different times, different places. And so the only way I found to combat it is with that D-R-E-S-S. Eating right, going to bed on time, getting up thankful, moving your body around, and then sort out those stressors. Can you eliminate any? Yeah. You know, and you might not be able to change jobs or spouses. Um, can't ship your kids off <laughs> anytime right. you want, you know. But the rest, the rest of them, man, you can really sort out. Again, I love the environmental working group uh, for the the what's in the environment, and it's huge. And um, and then the aches and pains and things. I found that I have to see a trainer. Uh, I do Pilates, and I go to a guy who does stem cells and uh, platelet-rich plasma and prolotherapy and stuff, and I let them stick needles in me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the good news about everything you're saying is most of the things we can do, we can take and do it on our own. It's a lifestyle. Uh, Yeah. Janet, you're so right. And um, in this course that I teach, the first thing I teach is setting the example, walking the talk, following the principles of health building on oneself so you can you can live a certain lifestyle and you don't feel guilty preaching about it if you're actually and, doing it. And, and, and that's such so bad in healthcare. Um, it, it's so prevalent that, you know, many healthcare professionals aren't healthy themselves. Um you know, I will tell you a lot of pharmacists aren't. I will tell you a lot of doctors aren't. A lot of nurses aren't. And here we are trying to preach health and wellness to to our patients and and the professionals not healthy. And I just think that's, you know, the analogy I use is imagine if you go to a dentist and the dentist has crooked and yellow teeth. Yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you would walk. I, I would hope you'd walk out. Yes. You know, or, or speaking to personal trainer, I mean, imagine if you had a personal trainer and, you know, they were overweight or, you know, they weren't in, weren't in the best health. And, you know, I get, that's all relative also, but that's, what's important. I mean, I personally, I mean, I have a mountain bike racing coach, you know, he's, he's a, he's in better, he's a better mountain bike racer than I am. You know, I mean, he used to be on the world level and that's, that's the kind of person I want. Um, you know, I was so, impressed when when you said you were on that mountain biking trip in South America. I thought, wow, here, here's someone who walks the talk, you know, and it's really important if you're going to be, uh, you know, up on the stump that you do at least most of what you talk about, you know. And we're all um, vulnerable and and have our strengths and weaknesses, but uh, you you can do a lot of good in the world as I know you guys are doing. Well, yeah. And I think like you say, be, be good examples, first of all. So let's, let's quickly get into your book. Yahada, will you go ahead and stream his, his, his book? You co-authored this book called, um, tell us about your book. Well, I was actually asked to contribute to this book by one of my students who graduated and her specialty is putting books together and said, would I like to submit a, uh, a chapter and, you know, I'm a very busy guy helping people, um, but but yeah, I think there's something that we're sharing that I have and have created. And so, uh, so I did. I've contributed to three different books, actually. The, get, uh, the Gap, The Needs Gap, and another one on business called Mission Matters. Uh, but 
Um, and I'm also writing. She, she's actually my book coach, this, this lady here, Pantea. Um, we're, so I'm writing my own book where it just be all, all mine. But the, the idea is to get people to remember what I said in the beginning. Number one, you got to be in control of your own health. You can't just put it in someone else's hands. And you want to work at the causal level if possible. Go, go as far upstream as you can. Identify as many things as possible that need changing, need repair. Like that's why we run the labs. I teach a course in lab work if you just want to break it down and natural protocols. So it's the, what's really wrong? How do I fix it? Not to be addicted or uh, spending zillions of dollars on every kind of practitioner for minimal uh, return on that. It's how you can be in control. So, so anything I write is going to be about that. Well, it's interesting you talk about that because you are on the same page with us and that's why you're perfect for the podcast is, um, you know, we preach over and over again is, you know, our goal is to educate and empower people to take charge of their own health. Um, if you truly want to have freedom, um, you have to take charge of your own health and there's not some doctor, there's not some magic pill, there's not some magic pharmacist or that, that is going to fix it for you. Um, you, you know, people have to do it ourselves. Now as professionals, we can help educate people to do it, but ultimately they have to take charge of their own health. Yes. And, uh, there's systems for that, you know, you're not alone, I guess is another important thing. Um, People eventually will start asking good questions. Hey, what can I do? So you go to a physician or a practitioner of some sort, and um, they need to be able to tell you, again, the D-R-E-S-S, that what's the right diet for me? How are you supposed to figure yeah. that one out? Right, right. And and so that's been a huge one for us and um, because there is no one diet. That's right for everybody. You were just down in South America where there's different tribes of people and they live almost exclusively on like corn and potatoes. Um, in the in the Andes Mountains, uh, there's the Quechuans. They have over 400 different kinds of potatoes and they actually consider it like medicine. Like for this thing, you eat this kind of potato and for another thing, you eat a different kind of potato. But they burn carbohydrates really, really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and, and uh, these high quality um, things uh, to them might not be so high quality for me. You know, I'm, I'm a meat eater. <laughs> I grew up on fish, a lot of fish and some good quality other meats and and that's what fuels me the best and it's built into your bones you can't change that um it's it's right there's a lot to be said about ancestral eating um you know look at the indigent people in you know like from alaska and up north of there i mean largely they didn't eat potatoes vegetables fruits i mean they largely ate blubber seals fish um, and that's it. And that's why when we throw them into a diet, more of a, especially the, you know, the sad, the standard American diet, we throw them into that kind of, of, um, environment. And I mean, their health just plummets. I mean, uh, diabetes runs rampant for them because they're just not used to eating that kind of food. 
So, um, yeah. And Sean, you're so right. I I don't want to interrupt you, but I have to tell you. Yeah, please. I have a cousin, Chris Davis, and he is retired now, but he was an Anglican priest way up in Canada. I think he got sent away from the big cities. They didn't like him or something. I said, what are you being being punished? (laughs) So joke with him. No, he loved it up there. And he he and his wife lived up among the Cree Indians. Now, they're not quite Eskimos. They're down a little farther south, but still way north in Canada. Now, they're genetic requirements, which means you eat this way, you'll be okay. Uh, Everything else being equal. You eat wrong for your genetic requirements, you will pay the piper. So he had two Cree Indian villages were his parishes. And I asked him one time, you know, what do they do as for medicine, like a medicine man? Do they go to a medicine man or do they just, what do they do? And he said, well, I'm their medicine man, being their spiritual medicine man. I said, no, if they get sick. And then he goes, oh, read, they're all sick. They're all sick because they, what happened was the mining companies moved in and uh, brought in with them their food and their, you know, for their workers and stuff. And so here you have almost Eskimos, Crete, Crete. By the way, they were known by the earlier settlers as being the most vivacious, the best hunters, and they could go, you know, work 18 hour. Uh, hunting trips, no problem, go trapping and furring and and all these things. They were very, very uh, vigorous people. And now they all weigh 300 pounds and are suicidal alcoholics, you know. I mean, I'm I'm not – I'm off on my statistics. They're not all like that. But you get my point. He said, Reed, they're all sick. They all go to the government clinics. They're all diabetic or something. And we have the highest rate of suicide in the world, um, alcoholism and things. And I would attribute – most of it to um, change of their diet. Yeah, in that yeah. in in that population, um, prior to them being, you know, introduced to the standard American diet, they didn't have. There was heart disease was non-existent, and and so was um, tooth decay. They didn't have cavities, none of that. And now, when you look at that population, they do because their bodies just aren't used to eating the food that. Um, that they didn't historically eat. Um, and that this is one of the reasons I, and I'm sure you've kind of gotten to, to some debates with people before too, but you know, when you get your strong keto people that are just keto for everybody and keto everything and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I, I am not, this is why I, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on and talk about diet because you know, keto is not right for everybody. I mean, you, you talk about that group in the Andes mountains with all those different potatoes, keto would not be good for them. Not true keto in that that we think of the keto diet, you know. Um, you know, they, yeah. they, wouldn't, they wouldn't do well. They they get into ketosis a, a little bit, but it's um, it it is ancestral. But which ancestors? No, because m- most of us are so mixed up that we don't even know who half of them were. And you run these these sure. DNA genetics tests, and you find out you're part this and part that and part this and a little bit of that mixed in. And um, so what's the right diet for me? Um, Well, there's actually a science to it and it has to do with oxidative rate mostly. So there is a way to sort out the, at least the percentages of protein, fat and carb that are right for you. And that is such an empowering thing. You talked about empowerment and, 
and helping people um, be in control of their own uh, destiny and, and health. Uh, absolutely. So getting the percentages of protein, fats, and carbs, right, it is, you match it up with your own genetic oxidative rate. Oxidation means burning fuel. We burn fuel. The f- fuel is what you eat. And it's beyond just the carbs. There, there's different types of um, chemical processes that break down food into energy on a cellular level. You have to start with this premise. Do you have to teach any of your cells what their job is? Or do they already know what their job is? They know what their job is. You just have to give them the right fuel. So if you're a, uh, and this goes back to the ancestral diet, if you're a protein type, to use the term very loosely, uh, then yeah, protein and fat provide the cells with fuel that they can burn, they can oxidize at the right rate and quality and quantity. And then they can do their job, which you don't have to teach them. But if you give that same diet to, again, someone who's a slow oxidizer, not a fast oxidizer, they need much faster burning fuel. So carbs are great for them. They can do a way higher percentage of carbs than maybe you or me. So we have a way to sort that out, call it metabolic typing. Um, but but the uh, idea is that you can figure it out by how you feel, how, how it does this meal satisfy your hunger are you satiated? Uh, does it give you energy? Do you feel real high level of energy for a long period of time? And actually, believe it or not, your uh, we call it sense of well-being or mood or um, just just do you feel happy and good? Food should make you <laughs> fully satiated, no cravings, no bad feelings, satisfy your hung- uh, or give you energy, real high energy, not not nervous energy you know, with tiredness underneath or anything weird like that. It's, man, I feel really energetic. I can go do work. I can play, whatever, go go hunting, fishing, or you name something. Um, get plenty of that done until the next fuel stop. And then even the mood comes in. If you're angry, irritable, or out of sorts for no reason, no apparent reason, then maybe it's the food you ate didn't really yeah. fuel your cells. Because remember, you have brain cells and glandular cells, muscle cells, bone cells, all these different types of cells. And they know what their job is. They just need you to fuel them correctly. And there's a way to sort that out. And um, it's why the Quechuan Indians in the Andes uh, can eat just corn and potatoes mostly, while the Eskimos have to have real high, dense, slow-burning fuel like uh, the uh, like you mentioned, blubber and seal meat, you know, or and fish maybe, but no, nothing other than seasonal um, nuts and seeds, perhaps. Right, right. Which would well, do what? Would fatten them up in the summer? Yeah. For a lean winter, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing to remember too about when you mentioned the 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 people live in the Andes that eat potatoes and corn, you know might go into ketosis. I think one of the things we forget about when we talk about ketosis is, you know, we always talk about low carb, um, high fat, um, when we talk about a keto diet, but in reality, you can go into ketosis if you eat carbs, as long as you're burning them and you're burning them faster than you eat them, you know, um, 
you know, and, and that population, they might fast somewhat too. So if they eat a whole bunch of corn and, and, um, and potatoes, and then they don't eat anything for 24 hours, they might go into ketosis a little bit, um, because they fasted. So that's one thing too, is that you don't have to eat low carb to go into ketosis. Or if you exercise a lot, like me as a mountain bike racer, I'm, I'm sure I'm in ketosis sometimes when I'm, you know, even though I'm eating pure, drinking pure sugar water when I'm riding my bike. Um, and I'm exercising really hard because I'm burning a thousand calories an hour and eating 200. So I'm probably going into ketosis. Yeah, exactly. And, um, so people ask me, uh, all the time, what's, what, what should I eat? And there's the genetic requirements that have to be met, but we also find in today's world with all of the, um, uh, environmental contaminants, pollutants, and herbicides and pesticides. You, know, you just name all this stuff. Something like 80,000 chemicals, right? Uh, very few have been tested for safety, by the way. We are the test animals. We're the rats. And um, that could turn out real bad for a person. Um, so what we also do is we test for food sensitivities. One of our five most common tests is the food sensitivities test, because you got to minus those for a while. It, the more the body breaks down, as I described earlier when Janet was on, you know, about the uh, the catabolic state, your sex hormones go out of balance, your immune system gets affected, and it you end up with this dysbiotic uh, condition in the gut. You're not breaking down and absorbing food, right? And then you end up toxic uh, from food, you know, penetrating through the gut lining um, where it shouldn't. <laughs> and then... Um, you get more and more food sensitivities. So we always test for them, and it's whatever your quote-unquote metabolic typing diet is that's right for your genetics minus the foods you're sensitive to, and it doesn't have to be a full-blown allergy. It could just be something right. that we call it an oral intolerance. I'm sure you know about that. Yeah, well, I mean, gluten's, gluten's a, a common one. I mean, it's not like most people are allergic to gluten necessarily. They're, um, you know, intolerant to it is usually the, usually the case. You're not able to break it down. And yeah. so it's, it's right. actually more like a lactose intolerance than it is a true allergy because you're just not making right. the enzymes to break it down. Exactly. It's, a, yeah, it's not, it's not an allergy. Your IgE would be normal, you know, to that yeah. specific right. antigen. Yeah, so... Um, Oral intolerances and sensitivities come in different forms. And uh, you might even know uh, from accumulative effects or, um, you know, just the way you feel after eating a certain meal. I know that if I eat uh, bread and butter, I go to sleep instantaneously. And I don't do it anymore. Took me yeah, right. took me a while to figure that one out. But, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like you're sitting there at dinner with people eating. The, next you know, they're asking you, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> you know, eyes glazing over and, you know, it's good. You're in a good mood. So these endorphins, in that case, gliadomorphin, uh, actually numbs you. You know, you puts you, knocks you out, trying yeah. to protect you. Yeah. Yeah. So food, food, food can do that. Uh, and we and we got to find out what works for us. And it sounds like you are good at training professionals to um, seek out 
to seek out, to have training to, to seek out these problems and patients. And so let's go ahead and stream his website, uh, fdntraining.com, Yahada. Yeah, tell us a little bit as we wrap this podcast up, Reed. Tell us a little bit about your um, your training program. Well, remember, I worked in that office for 10 years. I ran thousands and thousands of labs on thousands of people. And I sorted some things out. And then I started teaching in 2008. And I can teach people now in, in 10 months what took me 10 years to learn. And, of course, we're still learning. So this workshop that's here that I see on the screen is an introduction to that. And this is a very um, low entry barrier. You know, there's, I think it's $11 or something. I, I'm not sure if that's what this one is, but uh, jumpstart your health coaching career. Now, you don't have to be a health coach to take this. But basically, I'm going to teach you all about um in, in my main course, the FDNTraining.com program, that's a full-blown 10-month course. This is a workshop to introduce you to the whole idea, and we focus on the stress and hormones. I mentioned this during our chat today that that stress is really the root of all evil and um, negative things that happen to your body, one form or another. And it circles around to very common complaints you're tired you're fatigued you're not sleeping right your libido's down you can't build muscle you can't lose weight um you've got uh digestive problems aches and pains all of your body moodiness irritability even depression and for god's sakes you know um uncomfortable unhappiness it's doesn't have to be that way if you're willing to take responsibility and put in put in the um, effort to take control back. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Reed, uh, as we wrap this podcast up, um, you've definitely helped us realize our goal, which is to educate and empower people to take charge of their own health. Um, if anybody has any questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you? That website, fdntraining.com, I think there's um, really good support of people who won't try to sell you anything. They will answer your questions and... Uh, guide you if they can to wherever you need to go. Maybe you just want to work on yourself, but maybe you want to uh, help other people as well or both. And Sean, I'm telling you, so many people came to us just for their own health and yeah. decided, you mean I could do this for a living and help others too? Yes, you could become a health entrepreneur and help us save the planet, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Reed. Um, you've definitely helped us realize our goal today. I appreciate you being on. I appreciate yes, your, your wisdom and knowledge. And listeners and viewers, uh, thank you for watching and listening. And Thursday, you want to tune in because we will be streaming live from Kansas City, Missouri at the Free Market Medical Association Annual Conference. And we will be interviewing the keynote speaker, Peter Klein. And we'll be talking about how regulations in healthcare actually um, create barriers that can harm patients. So you don't want to miss out on that. Uh, stay tuned for, for the link. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for listening. 